This content was produced prior to the recent SAG-AFTRA strike authorization. Hey guys, today on Vulnerable, I have Isaac Presley. Um, he's really just such an awesome guy. I feel like we just went back and forth. I feel like this will be probably a pretty long episode, but we connected on socials. I was tagged in a lot of his stuff because he talks about, you know, being a Disney kid and growing up. And then I just, I think this is one of my favorite interviews. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy it. We're here with Isaac. What's up, Isaac? Hi, how are you? This is nuts. I'm excited to be here. So you know what happened, right? Out of nowhere, I give him a call. I'm like, Isaac, I need you to come to the studio and I need you to tell me all your deepest, darkest secrets. (laughs) And I was like, you know what's crazy? I'm in a mood to tell you all my (laughs) deepest, darkest secrets. Fucking (laughs) A. I've been feeling vulnerable lately. Oh, (laughs) funny thing about that. That's the name of my... (laughs) (laughs) That massive neon sign that's like hanging right next to us. Yeah. Yo, it is actually really weird when you think about getting vulnerable when there's a big old black microphone in front of you and then there's like these big looming lenses like all around us. And like, I'm really trying to get better at like ignoring it. Right, yeah. Because if I believe, like it's like believability in acting. Like right. the yeah. more you believe, the audience will believe. The audience will but believe, But for yeah. me, it's like the more I just like don't care about this stuff and the more I just try to talk, I think I'm actually- You just kind of get lost in the moment. And I'll also yeah. probably be a better listener. Right. Because <laughs> I try to control. Right. Wait, but you told me that you talk a lot. You like to talk because you're talking. Cuban. I, I love talking. I mean, I'd say it's because I'm Cuban, but maybe it's just because I love talking. So. But you're also Sicilian. I So, I yeah, I'm half, I'm half Sicilian, but I'm technically half Romani. Like, that's my ethnicity. Yeah. Um, but my mom's just from Sicily. But I don't know my mom. We, so. what'd you say? You I don't, don't know my mom. You don't know her? I do not know my mom. Okay. Why? Ask her. You're like, I don't know her. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Why? But you know, but you know that she was Sicilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I okay. know. I know certain details. And just, you know that your dad and your dad and my, was a dancer. I do know my dad. Yeah, yeah, my dad was a professional dancer. Is he still with us? He is still with us. Okay. Yes, yes, he is. And he's Cuban. Oh, he is. Migrated oh. here in 61 and, has, and then lived just traveling doing dance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that that Sicilians are very vengeful people. <laughs> yeah, maybe I did something. Maybe so, I kicked a little too hard in the womb. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not that. What I'm saying is like your content that I've seen you make is so biting. Oh, and I was yeah. like, I see it and I'm like, I know that feeling. I know that well, level. You know, I think what I realized with social media is I used to take it like like too seriously. Yeah. Like I was. Did very, you really? I used to take it very seriously. Like it was when? Like, what are we talking? Oh, like Disney days. Like probably like 15, 16. Okay. And then I like got really into it and like I used to hang out with like all the TikTokers, like mm-hmm. Addison and. and Hold on a sec. Them. You had like a whole house. It was. Called- yeah, yeah, Clubhouse. I was in Clubhouse. It was. Uh, it was like Clubhouse, was, but then you wanted to do your own house. And then I did my guys. own house with all boys. Can we talk about what these houses are like? <laughs> so, um, you tried to do like a hype house. Uh, no, I, so I actually didn't try to do anything. Okay. There was, there was a house at the time called Sway House mm-hmm. and I was friends with all the boys in that house. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna, we were, I was talking to the management to maybe move in, whatever. And then I just like, there was a lot of contractual agreements and stuff. And then with Clubhouse, it was like a house that had just been established. I get a call cause my friend was in the house and was like, yo, they're looking for another boy someone that could like spice up the videos. And they um, called it boy, which I find no, very interesting. No. We It started off as just Clubhouse BH. Okay. And it was like seven girls and then me and one other boy. Mm. And then we moved in. What could go wrong? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you think went wrong? Uh, it was just, well, no, actually it was fine when it was just the two boys. What happened is we moved in another two boys. Oh. And then you just had this very weird balance of like, 18 to 20 year old frat boys with like mid 20 girls. And like, they were all just not down for the partying that me and the other boys were doing. (laughs) So they were kind of like, if this is gonna work, the boys gotta go. And then I- Why didn't we make reality shows around you guys? That would have been so No, so what's so crazy is I, we had a contact over at Hollywire and he knew someone at Snapchat and Snapchat wanted to do a uh, a reality show. And that's what For the Boys became, FTB, mm. which was Clubhouse. It was gonna be our reality show. And we shot a pilot, we did the whole thing. Um, but unfortunately, man- the management and I didn't see eye to eye on how the house should be ran. Uh, okay, um, can you expand on yeah, that? Yeah, they, like, they just, 
I had a very different idea for, I thought like, for example, Hype House was like Disney Channel. I looked at everything in a very acting format, okay. right? Hype House to me was like a kids network show. Mm -hmm. It was for little kids. Mm -hmm. Sway House to me was like the frat boy, like teenage group. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do more of like a playboy mansion sort of thing with like where the boys weren't frat boys. We were more like gentlemen partiers. You know what Ooh. I mean? Like we everywhere we went, we dressed nicely Ooh. and like more, you know, just like upper echelon energy because I felt like it was a route that hadn't been filled yet. Well, I'll tell you what, I, do, I have seen guys dress up really dapper um, on, on, you know, TikTok or wherever. And I've, I've always had to comment on it and be like, this is the way boys need to dress. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck am I? How old am I? But it really is, when I see people living in luxury or like enjoying an aesthetic that feels like very polished, I can't help but be like, you obviously have a very high opinion of yourself. Good for you. Right. And and I just felt like it was a route that hadn't been gone down yet in the social media lane and especially in a content house lane. So I was like, why don't we have this kind of like social media version of like the Playboy Mansion, but toned down a bit. You know what I mean? Okay. But just like that vibe of young gentlemen dressed in suits. Almost like up. entourage? Almost like entourage. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, and then… They just would not, I kept saying like, we got to stop throwing these frat type parties and they kept throwing these frat type parties. So wait, they throw the parties and you well, guys just had to no, do these antics? It, the bottom line was, was I was the head of the house. So. Cause you were the, the most known. Right. And, and the boys, the boys would want to throw parties and I'd be like, no. And then they'd like, they'd like, I felt like it was like a mom and dad situation. Like the kids would come to me and be like, can we throw a party? And then I'd be like, no, we're not throwing any parties. So then they would run to management and be or like- Or the girls, and probably. They'd, <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, like we're going to have like this TikToker here and that TikToker here. Can we throw a party? And like, I, I didn't agree with the idea that just because there were people with a following in the house that it was going to do anything for the house. Like when people come to come drink and party at your house, there's not any work that's going to be done. Like, yeah. People are just going to get fucked up and- and I've heard house. the opposite too. I've heard that people that go to these parties, like it's not a real party, but they go expecting it to be a party. So it's like- Well, and then you just have like, and then the other thing is, is like the people that you actually want there, they don't want to be around a bunch of randoms. Like mm -hmm. they want to be able to party in peace mm -hmm. almost. So that's why I wanted it in the sense of like a Playboy Mansion to be a very exclusive. exclusive. Like exclusivity sells. Like- Yep. Scarcity. Yeah. And yeah. like, I wanted it to be like that. Like mm -hmm. we only had like- actors and musicians and and then bring in the TikTokers and not have just like the neighbor down the street coming in and like it's like the David Dobrik right and yeah. then the other issue was was like we had it was during covid okay so you know we're dealing with like flack mm -hmm. for throwing parties during covid and you were aware of that i'm getting flack for it <laughs> and i'm like i'm not throwing these parties mm -hmm. like and uh so i just I just kind of gave up and I was like, all right, y'all want to party? Let's fucking party. Oh shit. So I just started partying. And oh then, no. Um, yeah. What? And then I just, I, I just, I think I just got, it was, you know, I didn't, I went into something that was a new realm and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And I threw a fit and it was, it was just the bottom line of just, I should have walked away. Yeah. Yeah. But instead. Where were you going to walk to though? Exactly. Well, let me ask you this. So like a lot of times, like you'll do content and you'll be reflecting on like, I love your sardonic, <laughs> sardonic way of having really dark humor. And I was summoned, obviously, by by the people. They said, oh, at Christy Carlson Romano. And I was like, well, I was already here. I already uh, saw him because he's here. on my FYP <laughs> and I've been looking at him and I want to know him. And I can't help but like feel like this like strange Disney ancestor of everyone and they're like, yeah. I'm gonna swoop in and like be like, how are you? How are you? I don't mean, I really don't mean to be like talking down anybody. I hope you don't feel like that. No, no, not at all. And and also, I guess that's where I was kind of going at the beginning of it was I started just treating social media like a fun game. Because I started realizing how like, not that I love upsetting people, but I love pushing buttons of people that get upset over things that actually in a real world perspective are so minuscule. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like people are so caught up in like dating drama and like all that. They eat it up. Like yeah. they eat it up. And it's like, that's not like, 
this isn't real world. Like there is genuine things going on in the world. marriage problems, real shit. But mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a a young person's relationship, like oh, are they still together? Are they gonna break up? Like mm-hmm. I just find it kind of humorous, you know. So it's fun for me to poke the bear of on okay. Wait, media. you also poke the bear about like rumors of you dating oh, Jenna I, Ortega. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> I love poking the bear. By the way, I'm a really big fan of hers. I love. Jenna. I don't know your. Relationship. I actually was just with uh, two of my old cast members last night. Were uh, you? It was one of my castmates' birthdays, and Aww. I went to go say hello. So you guys are so close. Is it stuck in the middle? Yeah, you've been on yeah, a lot of shows. Yeah, stuck stuck in the middle was definitely like. I felt like want to do cast. a rewatch pod. <laughs> oh, Podco, Podco, Podco. If we did Fuller House, it'd be Podco <gasps> watching right. Popco. That was my name in Fuller House. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we actually did just announce that we're doing the Full House Rewind with Dave Coulier. Oh, I love Dave. Yes, please come oh, on. Oh, that'd be incredible. That would be yeah. awesome. Oh, I Bridging seen, of all of that. That would be great. Yeah. I, I love. I love seeing like those people uh, from from my past of just, it's great to just reconnect with. with Is everyone. it? I hadn't seen any, I hadn't seen the castmates I saw yesterday for about four years. What was that like? Oh, it was incredible. Well, actually, so one of them, I was at a uh, event like last week. Mm-hmm. And I've known this little girl since she was like seven years old. Spoiler like, alert. I feel like people will zero in on who that was. Uh, Ariana Greenblatt. Ariana okay. Greenblatt. Okay. Um, but I've known her since she was seven mm-hmm. and she couldn't even pronounce her R's. And I get a tap on my shoulder at this event and I turn around and there's like this young woman standing in front of me and I could only tell it was her because she was like, hi, and I could hear her voice and I nearly cried. Like it was so, you know, it's like watching your little sibling grow up Yeah. and I hadn't seen her in so long and I got very like emotional and mm-hmm. hugged her. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones, I hadn't seen any of them in years. And, you know, I went through I went through like a really hard time during the whole COVID times with just losing myself and and the partying with addiction and all those sorts of things. <laughs> I'm so, laughing, but no, it's because no, I understand it, it, it. Yeah, it's it's it's. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Exactly, and like I lo- I was like, I was like a carriage horse that had lost his carriage. Like I was just, I was, just, I had no purpose. You mm-hmm. know, like I just, I didn't. And that's know. because of COVID. Yeah, because of the I felt like I felt like. Because with acting, it, I did it from such a young age mm-hmm. that it was such a consistency in my life. You know, like it kept me in check. Because mm-hmm. it was like work has always been prioritized in my mind. I was kind of raised that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can party when I'm older. Let's get the work done now so I can enjoy life later. Really? That's yeah. what was told to you? Yeah, a bit. Like never like… You do realize that having a childhood is about not working. But fun was never <laughs> fun was never shunned. It was just like… I was taught to work from a young age. Oh, I so see. that way you have a really good work ethic. Right. So I, I was developed a work ethic from a young age. So that way I wouldn't need to develop it later on. Like by the time I turned 18, like I already had a work ethic. And even going into social media, I applied that work ethic that I developed from acting and, and doing those sorts of things. Can I riddle you something though? What I've realized about us as being folks that grew up in this regard, it's like we had the work ethic, but we didn't have the ability to set boundaries. Yeah. Right? So we, everything was yes and, and none of it was like, maybe maybe you had the power of no, but like I didn't. And I don't think I learned the word no until like, probably like last year. Exactly. I like You started to any, like get better? In any regard, like I just did not know the word no. And that even applied like, because that work ethic goes into like everything in my life, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. So like if I put my mind to something, I will do it. It just <laughs> it can Dude, translate no, to Dude, no, but a work ethic thing. is about saying no just as much because knowing how hard you're able to work and also about with the sobriety's angle, it's like you're showing up and you have this commitment and you don't make that commitment if you don't think you can show up. But showing up also means that you said yes and you, because you could have said no. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I never put that together because like, yes, I had all, I started in theater in New York. So like I had all that fucking work ethic. I was the best. I knew my lines. I hit my marks, but it's like that whole concept of like, oh, I'm so good at hitting my marks, but like, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's like, oh, that was the other thing. Like identity crisis after a certain point, like when that's like the other thing that hit me because of COVID, Mm -hmm. it was like, who the fuck am I? Like, I could not tell you. I didn't know if I was Ethan Popko, Isaac Presley, Isaac. Like, 
I could not distinguish the the differences. You know, I had like, I did the same fucking thing. I had Christy Carlson Romano, Christy Romano. I was I I feel you so hard. It was so like hard. every name was a different version of myself. And you hated everyone. And of them. And, and I hate, <laughs> and I hated all of them. And the one I hated the most was Isaac. Yeah. You know, and then um I think like Why do you think that is? Because I think I found Isaac to be so boring. Like Isaac was a sad, depressed, lonely, troubled kid, you know? So He didn't have any answers. Right. Isaac was no fun. Isaac was like the guy I was when I was by myself and I didn't like being by myself. Did you have like a very critical tape playing in your head? I've always had that and I still fight with it. Super critical. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm very hard on myself. Like I am, I am very hard on myself. I've been, I was actually just talking about this earlier today. Like I started learning that there's a, there's a healthy balance between like taking life seriously to the extent of like making sure you get your things done and, and you're doing those sorts of things, but also realizing that there is fun to be had and not to take it too seriously. And like, I think I held myself to such a high standard because other people held me to such a high standard that when I didn't meet my own requirements, I just folded, you know? And like, mm. I, wanted, I wanted to be nothing less than perfect. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because you're six months sober now, yeah. right? First of all, give me your hand. I love you for that. Thank you. Please Appreciate take it, it one day at a time. One you may fuck time, up, but I'm really day. proud of you. No, every day. Do you believe what you're saying right now? I do. No, good. wholeheartedly. Okay, like good. wholeheartedly. And good. in these last six months, the I'll tell you, like I, so my best friend died in June, June 9th of last year. Oh, okay. And I went into shambles. Like I was like, Previously before that, I was kind of just like this numb being that just existed and like did things, but I didn't really feel anything. Like everything just You were dissociative. Yeah, very, very, very dissociative. Especially because if you don't have an identity, who the fuck are you? So you just dissociate. Right. And I and I just literally I still I still disassociate a little bit, but I'm better now. What I'll tell you is this the longer you stay sober, the better it gets. And the more you'll like yourself. Right. The more you'll, but it's going to take a long time. It's a journey. And and I think. But not just because of the sobriety, specifically because of how you were raised as a performer. Right. Yeah. Right. It's very niche. Very, very, <laughs> very, very niche, niche trauma. Very niche trauma. Very ni- vulnerable. Niche trauma <laughs> to your doorstep. Um, but yeah, I, I went, I just like broke down. And started sobbing for the first time. Like in, rock bottom, in you think? so long. It was just like someone that I related to and confided in with pretty much everything was gone, you know? Yeah. And and there's also that I definitely have a bit of a savior complex. Mm. And like I think part of being an entertainer, we all kind of have that. Like we get our satisfaction of like making like a person happy or feeling an emotion, you uh-huh. know? Like uh-huh. – and I – and very much that in just normal life. Like I'm always the clown. If I find a joke, you're the head of the house, right? If I can, if I can be the butt of a joke to make somebody else laugh, I will. Like, and and I find enjoyment in that. I like making people smile, and I like bringing joy to people at your own cost. Well, <laughs> at, it used to be. It okay. used to be. Okay. It used to be like suffer in silence to put a smile on someone else's face. Now it's like I think I found like the love for myself and doing that, and the healthy balance of like how to do. You know, where, like, I take me time, but I also do enjoy being around people. And, like, I just didn't like being alone before. Mm-hmm. I hated being alone. I hated sitting with myself. Like, I said being in my brain is my least favorite place on earth. Did you? I have a question. Did your dad ever remarry or anything? Did he ever – did you have, like, a female figure in your life growing up? No. My dad My dad was uh Is he bachelor, stage dad? Bachelor, bachelor his whole <laughs> life. Yeah. Very, definitely very stage dad. He's He's yeah. – He's an incredible, incredible man. Like, my dad is truly, like, a staple of, like, how, in many ways, how I'd want to be. Okay. But but my dad has his own demons. You know, like, the day the day you realize that your parents are just normal human beings is a day that you, feel, you can get to that next step of mm-hmm. feeling better. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think you would view your parents as, like, superheroes. And then you realize that they're just as troubled as everyone. And you can kind of let some of that malice and resentment go. And I think I had some of that built up for my dad when I didn't understand, like, you know, my dad didn't get diagnosed with, like, some of his mental health diseases until he was already in his 
late 50s. Mm-hmm. Like he had lived this entire life dealing with these mental illnesses like with, struggling. No, with no treatment whatsoever. White knuckling you know? it. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, and that's, I, I, I could genuinely not tell you what that feels like. I could never understand that. And I think that that burden helped. Like when that, I found out about that and figured that out by myself, it just helped me feel better. And like, sympathize a lot with him instead of feeling like resentment of like, why does he talk to me this way? Or why does he act this way? It was just like, he's just trying to figure it out like I am. What I will say, what really sucks too about being cycle breakers is like, it's a, it's, it's definitely like a whole millennial and beyond thing of like, these are my parents, they were limited, they were human, but like, what do I need for me? Right. Is that you have to almost become, you have to reparent yourself. Yeah, well, I, I've always said, like, I, I've i also been very stubborn. Like, I'm a very stubborn person, and I need to do everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't go to rehab, nothing. By like, the way, I don't work a 12-step program either. Right, right. So. And, and I'm not saying that that's not good for other people. It, just, just, just the way that my brain operates, it's like, I need to do it, and if I can't do it, then I won't do it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and that that mentality is a very stubborn mentality, but it helps because it keep it makes me take accountability for everything. So you're saying like I don't I don't want to go to rehab. Like that's if I go, that's saying something about me. Or it's not you're saying, saying something about me. I just think like I truly think that the answers to my problems are inside of myself. Mm-hmm. I just need to find them. And I think going to rehab or therapy and those sorts of things it helps you kind of talk those things out with someone and they can help you find those answers if you can't find them within yourself. Because also that journey of being alone and finding it within yourself can be very scary and mm-hmm. like something that you delay for years, you know, if if ever, if you ever end up doing well, Especially if you're using whatever it is you're using to like uh, self-medicate. And you're right. just like, oh, if I just do this, I don't have a problem or whatever. But question, so then how the hell did you do it? How did you get out of what went with that dark time? Do you I, mind? No. <laughs> Talking um, about it. So so I'm I'm three years sober off of like pills. Oh great. Um, but I'm six months sober off of drinking and and excess other things like weed and mm-hmm. shrooms. Um but I I got arrested in January. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I got arrested in January. It was ridiculous. I was moving and I happened to have I haven't I hadn't had a knife collection. Um and I had a couple of my knives for my collection going to my new place. My friend and I got pulled over. He had a warrant for an unpaid ticket. Your friend? Yeah. And uh, they asked if they could search the car. He was like, yeah, no problem. And they found this knife. They were like, is this knife yours? And I was like, yeah. And they, and they saw in, the tats and the jewelry. And, and they put me in handcuffs and they took me to jail. And uh, I was sitting in jail. And I had also gotten arrested at 17. For another, uh, for were you with you? Were you working with Disney at the time? At seventeen, no, I was just finishing Fuller House at this point. I think I remember seeing this. Uh, I I don't know. I definitely <laughs> talked about it. Okay. Um. So you're saying it didn't make the news? No, I've, no, it didn't make news. Oh, it didn't wow. make news. I don't think. I mean, I admitted it did now. I I admitted to it, <laughs> and like I I handled it, and like I was seventeen. I was I was you a fucked mind. up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that one was a fuck up. Like that one, most definitely, I'll 100% take accountability for it. It was a fuck up. Okay. This Did one. Did you hurt re- somebody? No. Oh, good. No. I hurt myself, but like that was it. Okay. <laughs> um, but this this recent one was just like, I almost, not in a spiritual sense, but in a bit of a spiritual sense, it was almost a sign to be like, I sat in this cell and I was like, what what am I doing wrong to to be here right now. Like, because everything on paper, I I never should have been there. Like, I was moving. I wasn't out partying. I didn't have the knife on. Your higher power was like, and you're going to be put right here now. And then I sat there (laughs) and I, I, so weird. I heard uh, Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash in my head. I fucking love Johnny Cash. And I love Johnny Cash. And I kind of just thought about that movie, Walk the Line, because it's one of my favorite movies. And, um, and I just realized, like, I was still a prisoner under a coping mechanism that wasn't healthy. Like, I'd been drinking a bit. I, I didn't have a drinking problem, but I was drinking a lot more than normal. You binge drink? I was binge drinking. I binge yeah. drink. Yeah. It, it wasn't was even, like, it wasn't even, like, 
a drinking problem in the sense where I was needing to open up a bottle every day. Right, right. But when I did open the bottle, Oof. it was like a two or three day bender. We were partying. Yeah. yeah. It, it never, it just was like nonstop. And yeah, and you call it, it's interesting, you called it frat boy behavior before, but it, that's like alcoholism happens to so many individuals. And we don't, in we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I just kind of sat there and I was like, is this what I want to be? Sitting in the cell right now. Like this person that I am sitting in the cell, is this who I want to be? And I was like, no, I'm a shadow of the person I want to be. Who do you want to be? I, I just, I want my, it's really odd. Like it's not odd. It's but not. My, my, <laughs> my love in life, I love helping people. I love teaching people. I think in life we experience these things and then we can all sit down with each other at the end of the day like we are right now and discuss our, our human experience and compare our human experience and maybe down and, and more times than not, one of us has experienced something the other person is not. And maybe we can give a little wisdom. And I, I think that's what we take to the grave. We take not our belongings, but we take our experiences and we take what we left. And I kind of was just like, am I leaving? Like, I kind of thought to myself that scene in Walk the Line when he's like, if you were laying on the side of the road and you could only sing one song, what would you sing? Is that the song you would sing? It was, that was my moment. It was like, if I were to drop dead right now, would I be happy with what I have left? And the answer to myself was no. Like, I did not think I was nearest my true potential. I didn't think I was, I didn't like where my relationship was at with a lot of people in life. I had found contentness in being alone, but I found too much contentness in in being alone. Like I'd gone from a complete extrovert to like an extreme introvert that would only be social if I was drinking. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it was like, what am like, I'm- You had a lot probably to work. I mean, you you have so many wonderful thoughts. It's probably like you were working shit out and you didn't even realize it like on a subconscious level. Right, (laughs) yeah. So I said that day, I I actually, I kind of spoke to my friend that passed away like out loud. And I was just like, because it almost felt like the way I was talking to myself was the way he used to talk to me. Mm. Like, he would be like, fucking idiot. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, you can do anything. Like, what are you doing? And that's how I was talking to myself. And it almost felt like he was talking to me. And, and And I said that day, January 13th, I was like, I am coming out of here and I will spend every day forward trying to better myself in some way or another or trying to like do something that I'm I'm happy about you know mm-hmm. and um and of course there's always like trips and falls and and stumbling but like I haven't had anything that I haven't been able to shake and I think it's only because I've been through all of this that I said that day January 13th 2023 that I will not allow anything to hold me down again mm-hmm. like I will get up and I will go through anything with a smile on my face. And it's not going to always be easy, but I will find a healthy system of people around me to support me. Mm-hmm. And and I've been doing that. Have like, you been like, do you feel like once you made the decision, then you kind of like manifested more, more of that? Like, I'm I, not really. I don't think, I think what I actually did was, is I started crowd controlling. Okay. I, I started looking at the people around me and mm-hmm. I was, and it, I like phone calls where I'd like call people and I'd be like, look, like, I love you as a person, but you are not healthy for me to be around. That's fucking awesome. Was that empowering for it you was, to say that? It was. Because I'm like really bad with confrontation. I don't talk to like two of my sisters because they're too much for me and they're right. active whatevers. And so I just, they're, they're, they're what do they call in, in the qualifiers or whatever right. when you go into recovery in Al-Anon. So I'm like, I just can't, I can't. And I'm and I feel like a coward for it sometimes because I'm am I missing out on relationships with my little like you know nieces and nephews? Right. And it's it's very emotional for me, and I'm so proud of you to be able to do that. That's so cool. Yeah, and like I said when I called them, it was like I'm not out of your life. I'm just a step back from your life. You know, mm-hmm. like I said to them, I was like, if you ever need anything, call me. Like I'm I'm not out of your life. Like this isn't a hateful thing. It's just I need to do what's best for me. And where you are positionally and the choices you are making are not healthy for me to be around. And uh, and I just started kind of just doing that with certain people and certain aspects and like clung on to those couple people 
I really started reinforcing the relationship with my dad again and getting close with him and like spending, he got diagnosed with cancer in August. And, um, and I just kind of like just started valuing those sorts of, you know what I did? I went backwards. Like that, I took that step of like take five steps backwards to go six steps forward. I kind of reverted to my childhood, which was scary because there's a lot of trauma in my childhood. Mm -hmm. But I went to the comfort places of my childhood. Tell me where, where is that? Like reading again and like getting into history. I loved history growing up and like learning about science and like being with my horse. I grew up riding horses, like Mm -hmm. being with my horse, like spending time with my dad, writing music, like, and you know, it's crazy what happened in those six months. Like in those six months, I would like to say I've, I've written some of the best pieces I've ever written. I'm in negotiations with a record deal now. Yay. Like there's just, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I not not even in a spiritual sense of like manifestation, but in that sense of I manifested like who I was going to be and I put the actions behind the words that I said to myself. And so far, like it it has worked. And I know that there will be slips and there will be falls. What do you mean by that? You said that again. Like, um, like slips in the sense of like, there's always going to be things that happen that aren't good. You know, like what does that mean? A death. A oh, you're saying exterior things. Exterior things that might yeah. trigger you. Yeah, or like you know, I I am diagnosed like depressed. Okay. So when bad things happen, like they can ride my mental hard. Okay. You know, but like, yeah. And I get and stuck it's in like a depressive episode uh-huh. for like, and it could not even be anything that severe, mm-hmm. but it just it'll hit me like a train. Yeah. Um, but it happened like. I want to say a month and a half ago, I just, my dad's health and I lost some people around me and it was, you know, my friend's one year coming up and just like those kind of things like all piled onto me. Yeah. And I went into like a depressive episode and I was like stuck in bed for like three days mm-hmm. and, um, and I got a text to like get out to go do like a photo shoot and things and like it got me out of the house. Because I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And I got out of the Vanity. house. And like, yeah. Yeah, you want to take a picture of me? I'll go. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, it was just like an excuse. You know what I mean? It was like, this is a reason to get out. And I got out. And then I was like, I feel good being outside. Like, what am I doing being in bed for three days? So it was like, that have was you, like. Did, have you heard <clears throat> the voice of your, was it your nephew, your cousin? Who is it? Uh, my, my best friend. Yeah, your best friend. Did you hear, have you heard that voice since ever I, telling you to get the fuck out of bed? What, you, know what I, you know what I do here? I hear like in in times that I'm in doing things enjoyable and stuff, I, he had a very particular laugh and I hear his laugh. And, um, and I think it's like those types of things that, I, he's not the only person I've lost. I, I've unfortunately There's lost. There's a lot of death around you. There is. Do you, are yeah. you going to write music about that? I do. Oh, I, I thought do. so. Um, I, I, yeah, I've just, I've, there's been a lot of death around me. And, um, and very, it's a very complex thing to unpack, especially like as someone that just overthinks like everything. Right. Know? Yeah. Um, but then I, I think I also tackled death in my own way. Like, understanding I think I used to fear it so severely and then I after losing everyone I came to understand that I cannot control a very stoic like oh yeah stoicism is fantastic like I don't enjoy the aspects of stoicism that are like no emotion no (laughs) like you know I don't like that parts of stoicism Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I the thing I do love about stoicism is like you cannot control what is going to happen you can only control your reaction to it. That is actually, by and, the way, that's sobriety too. Yeah. I can only control, I can sweep my side of the street. I can only take care of myself. Right. And I, and I can only, and like, I think that also helped getting into like philosophy a lot in like the last like eight months to nine months. Mm-hmm. Like reading, you're and saying. Then, yeah. Like reading philosophy mm-hmm. and, and even watching videos on philosophy, podcasts and such. And cool. like just applying it and then mm-hmm. taking like kind of just taking all these elements of spirituality and philosophy and just life experience and then kind of making your own philosophy that works for you out of it, I think is a very healthy thing. Yeah. Um, what about, um, like, I know you, you talk a lot about, or at least you tease and you kind of have fun with the idea of like love and like breakups and broken hearts. And mm-hmm. I love that you always are teasing people about being a child actor and stuff. Um, and uh, uh, the question is, what do you what do you really want to do? I guess. What do I really want yeah, to do? Yeah. What do you What do you Where well, are you going? It all, it all really pushes towards music. Um, 
Why? Like music. Because <laughs> you love music? I do. Music is… Well, actually, it's actually more simple than music. Writing has been an escape mechanism for me since mm-hmm. I was a kid. Um, I didn't really… I grew up very like… Like I said, silence in my suffering. So writing was like where I'd let it out. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely a bit of a hopeless romantic growing up do you, too. Do you have like journals? Did you ever save journals? I had kid? notes. I had like my computer notes, not not writing journals like yeah. that, but I had my notes and. and Did you um, ever like look back at them? And yeah. Like cringe and yeah. Like, well, oh, no. The def- trauma. Oh, it. definitely. Dude, my mom brought the this one uh, journal that I had to do. I was on tour with some theater production when I was like eight, eight, eight years old or something, and they made us journal, and she she gave she handed it to me. And I, she was like, it's really cute. It's like a little journal you had when you were eight. And I look at it and I'm like, these kids are bullying me. I miss my family. I want to go home. Like, it's just the weirdest, craziest shit. And like, there's so much reflected in. You see, I couldn't do that as a kid though. Like my writing. So I'll never forget it. I read a poem by Edgar Allan Poe. And I, because he's a very dark poet. Yeah. And I was like oh, this is interesting. So I started like figuring out that I could let things out. I couldn't just say like, I am hurting. Like I wasn't capable of doing that growing up. Okay. But I could hide that I was hurting in metaphors. And so like poetry was like how I'd let it out as a kid. And then I heard Bob Dylan and then everything changed for me because I was like, I play guitar and I write poetry and I can't really sing. (laughs) You know what? I disagree complete with that. I've, I've gotten better. I've I gotten think you better. have a really good. T- when, I, when I was a kid, I had this. Tamber. I had a. Tears. I had a squeaky voice. Mm-hmm. And, and you have a low voice now. Now I it dropped. You're a grown ass man. <laughs> I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just I started like writing songs, mm-hmm. and then acting was just always predominant for me. Mm-hmm. And I think my music was a bit too dark for Disney's taste. <laughs> uh, yeah, you didn't have a bowl cut, first of all. No. Or though you were probably after bowl cut, you were just like no. I not had too like a, I had like a mullet ish. You had a mullet. It was almost like a mullet. <laughs> it would have been better if it was a mullet. It did was, you enjoy your Did you enjoy your time doing like family programming though? Like what What was good about it? Um, do you believe in Disney magic? You know, actually, it's, <laughs> it's I do. So, it's so che- <laughs> it's so cheesy to say. I think the part that I enjoyed the most was like getting to interact with kids. Yeah, like I know, me like too, man. being able to just like it was so crazy to me because I was I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Like I grew up very poor and struggling, and like it was so crazy to me that me, a little shithead, like twelve year old, thirteen year old, could like just see a kid and give them a hug and make their day. Like, it, it was very special and I was very, very grateful for it. Like, and I think I'm very grateful to Disney for, for giving me that. Like, to be able to still carry that today and give me the platform to, I make jokes and I tease, but like, I, I do love people. Dude, and I, me too. I love humans. I think people misinterpret our journey in that way. Yeah. Like, I legitimately really love and believe in Disney magic. And I sometimes I'm like, it doesn't even need to have the word Disney, but there is a certain sense of like everybody, it's very, it's not unspoken, but everyone understands the feeling that I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like walking down Main Street, smelling the churros. Like, I think that's like when people say to me, they're just like, oh, like how screwed up was it being on Disney? (sighs) It's, I, the thing is, is I always say like being on Disney wasn't bad. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, every job has a hard day, no matter what you do. Like, we, it, you're not going to like every one of your co-workers. Mm-hmm. Ev- like, but that's just life. Well, what, what do you say when they say that? I always say, it, I don't think it's, it, what it is is it's just an exposure to the world very young. And it's like, it's not Disney. It's mm-hmm. what comes out of that. It's mm-hmm. like, I was going to like, big parties at like 14. You <laughs> mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I'm getting exposed to things young. Like it's not just Wait, being, I'm sorry. Were there drugs at the parties that you were going to at, at 14? 14? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. like coke and stuff? Yeah, that yeah, fucking yeah. sucked. That yeah. makes me so angry. I didn't see cocaine at parties until I was in my 20s. And that was because I like, you know, I, I saw was a person going do to... cocaine for the first. I mean, I took my first sip of alcohol at 14. Yeah, that um, I mean, I guess I could see that. Yeah. But like even to, God, that makes me so angry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm like, I just want to beat everyone up for you. (laughs) 
God, sorry. Uh, well, I think it's just all like that's the thing. It's like everyone just wanted to get the Disney kid drunk. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, for it sure. I remember like, it wasn't Disney. It's not like I had like some network executive like feeding me drugs. Like, yeah, no, being on Disney was fine. Like, yeah. it was a good time. I met some of my favorite people ever from it. Like, I'm extremely grateful to Disney. And like, to be honest, this side that happened, like the kids trying to get me drunk because I was on Disney, like. Mm-hmm. I don't blame Disney for that. Like, there's nothing to do with Disney. Them. Didn't do shit. And like, even when I went into the network, Disney was like, they said it in their own Disney way, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're with us for these four years, and like, we will take care and love you for these four years, and then after, you're not really our problem." You know what oh, I mean? Oh, they kind of like, said that. I didn't know like, that they, they would did because they did like the orientation. Thing. Oh, I, I've heard of the orientation. Yeah. In fact, I've told them, I've begged them. I was like, "Please let me do. <laughs> Can I be a camp counselor?" Please. <laughs> Yeah, they did. I did the orientation. They're like, uh, keep her the fuck away. Laura Morano did our orientation. Uh, wait, um, she came in and spoke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, she, she came. Another in Italian talk. girl. Yeah, I love Laura. Laura. I was. I did. I started with Austin and Allie. That was my first Disney. Show. Oh, okay, it was cool. Like working with Ross. So, what did Laura Morano do to orient you into they being just a child like, actor? This is really fun, and like you know, they did. Yeah, our- but was that helpful? <laughs> I mean, no. That's why they don't want me coming in. No, because I, I feel like if so like- So be like, listen, bitches, have you seen my podcast? The real the real help would to be like, listen, kids, like Disney's going to be fine. Just it's the outside shit you need to watch out for. Exactly. You know? Like they don't really tell you that aspect, you know? Um, it's just an industry thing. I, I've said it before. It's infrastructure. It's, it's you know, finding a way to have the fucking union come and right. be like, hey, here's a mental health person for you to see- <laughs> Like, you know, okay, like, set, I don't know semi-frequently before you hit the regular world or something. You yeah, know? I mean, we... we there we is actually. The, I should I should shout out to Looking Ahead because I'm on their advisory whatever committees. Right. And uh, Corbin Blue is like their main celebrity ambassador, but he's really hands-on. And um, Looking Ahead is trying to forge a path forward where they can be a little bit more active with the right. studios and yeah, stuff. So yeah. let's hope that that... I mean, happens. I do... I will say like, you know, Disney, our cast definitely had some drama. Um, oh wait, was, weren't you on like Nikki Ricky and no, whatever? No, well that show that show. Dude, had, I heard that there was so much. That drama show had that a show. lot of drama, but I just I was a guest star. I'd pop in, I'd do my thing. The okay. other thing is, is like I was even talking to my cast about this. It's like I love how you call it your cast because it's like you've done so you've done a lot of shows. <laughs> well, from stuck in the middle, but like, I was talking. I, I feel was like that's your first. Them. Yeah, love. they were well, like I did shows before that, but stuck was like that's like my family cast, you know, and like I. I was talking to them yesterday and like we were just kind of talking about like set beefs that we all had and like things like like just reminiscing. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, I never really had a, like I've always just been very easygoing. Like I can kind of get along with everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I didn't really share that same like issues. Like we had a set therapist and like. Oh, you did? Oh, we did. Yeah. And they were helpful? I, I think so. Okay. I think they just like, they gave people a place to let out their emotions rather than on each other. I didn't know that that was I, like, I a, didn't go. I, okay, but it I was an option. Really, I didn't, you. yeah, I didn't really have like a reason to. I, like I said, I was therapist? just like, I was just like very cool with everyone. Like mm-hmm. I got along with everyone. I had the people I was closer to for sure, but like there was no one that I was like, I hate them. Like I just was cool with everyone. And yeah, yeah. I think like, I think it was also because it helped because like we had the age groups were very interesting. You had three little kids, two mm-hmm. boys and one girl. And then you had like me, Jenna, and then Kayla and Ronnie that were all in a very similar age group. But as like the boy in that group of three girls, mm-hmm. it's kind of just more like it was like having sisters, you know, mm-hmm. like they were going to give me flack and I took it and mm-hmm. I made jokes and I was the jokester. And like honestly, I loved hanging out with the little ones. Like we called them the little ones. And like we had a swing set outside and I'd push them on the swings and hang out with them. Like I I didn't grow up with a family. Like I didn't have brothers and sisters. So when I got into the cast, like I very much took it like this is my family. Like those are my little brothers. Those are my little sisters. Like when I saw Ariana at that party yeah. or the, I was just event the other that. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hawk. I was walking by, oh, keeping like, an eye her. on her. Don't look at her. I was looking at her. I was like, "You behaving <laughs> yourself." Sicilian, like. I'm like, "You behaving yourself." I'm seeing boys standing around there. I'm like, "You stay away. You stay." You know, but because oh, I do, so I do have a very protective nature. Like, I just, can totally see that. Just over them, like they're very, like they're my family, yeah. and and I. 
I love them and I don't need to see them. And that's how I know that they're my family. Yeah, like, I yeah. think the true friends and true family are not people that you need to see all the time. Dude, low-maintenance friends are the best, especially if they're people that, like, you know, they do check in on you yeah. every now and then. And you guys can – because the one other thing I'll say is that low-maintenance is great, but if it's, like, too low-maintenance, then it's, like, what, what are we doing here? Well, then you also get, like, a little bit too detached, you know? Yeah, but yeah. like. But I, I, think, but I think cast cast is different. I agree. Yeah, I, I think, like, I don't – you know, like, Jenna's always traveling and – She's mm-hmm. everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, what is that like, by the way, to see Jenna be like blowing up and like? I, I mean, are you not I'm surprised? Just, no, <laughs> I I think I think I I always knew. Like, I think from like the very beginning, I think everyone kind of knew. Like, you know, and it, and she's deserving of it. You she's, know, like she's she's really. Am great. I okay to be obsessed with her? Like, is, no, absolutely. I should be. And, because and you know I what's am. actually great? What people like don't even know, like behind the scenes, is like that girl really paved the path that she's on right now. Because we would talk to like her and her mom and they'd be like, oh, she was offered this role. And Jenna would turn down, like Jenna's turned down some big roles to knowing that, like, I think the path that she's on right now from the Wednesday and all those sorts of shows, like, she wanted to be that. She didn't want to play conventionally, you know, normal characters. She likes putting herself outside the box, you know? and. She stuck to her guns on that. I would fucking love to see you on Wednesday to come back. (laughs) I think that's a really great opportunity. That would be sweet. You should be like her long lost brother. That would be. Or Edgar Allan Poe or like somebody. It'd be so so sick to to work with her. It'd be so cool to see you guys because you guys are such great casting and you're such a great vibe for that It's really like her and I always just had, I think, really good onset chemistry. Yeah. Like our, we bounce off of each other really well. Mm -hmm. Um, She's definitely like, one of my most favorite opposites that I've had to like act with. Nice. She's um she just like I don't know, she's very natural. Yeah. In in what she does and she helps you feel natural because mm-hmm. you feel relaxed. Oh, that's and, cool. And um and just very professional. Like always like you know, not not that messing up your lines is not professional, but just like <laughs> she always came ready. She came prepared. She came to set like like she cared. She cared. Yeah, she yeah. cared. And like she yeah. she was she was always a great scene partner and would have like We'd have fun, but we'd get the scene done. Like, and and on those, because we did five days, like five filming days. We didn't do like mm. the two days of, like how they do. It was the like two a sitcom. Re- rehears- yeah, we did episodic though. Okay. So we shot five days. We shot week. more. Yeah. And, oh, that's like, a lot. Long days. Yeah. Um. So, you know, on those like. They're like, these kids are growing. We need to shoot as much as possible. <laughs> on those Tuesdays, <laughs> like on those Tuesdays at like 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. when we had been on set for quite a while already and like I'd been up since early to do school as well like it helped having that a good scene partner you know it helped keep the energy up keep the fun up and like I loved doing that like I loved working late because I knew like no one wants to be working late people want to be with their families you know like the crew and you're so you're so kind you're such a kind person <laughs> and I and, and you have such a hard like uh, like exterior when I see you online, and it's so really wonderful to get to know you. And I think you're lovely and you. and a grown ass man. <laughs> but um, I really, you've brought it for me today. <laughs> if this was a scene, you were a great scene partner. Oh, um, but I I hope that I hope that you stay on this. Obviously, this is a journey for you, but I hope that you stay on the road that you're currently on. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely don't have a, I don't. I kind of, I've kind of realized within myself, like, I think I've been through the worst of it. Good. Like, emotionally, like. It doesn't have to be hard, is yeah. what I would like to tell yeah. you. With eight years of sobriety. Right. You have some fantastic philosophical uh, conclusions that you've already brought to yourself. But I, what I will say is that if you continue along, the, the, mo- the more time you have away from anything, if you can really make it, the, the gift of that sobriety will continue to feed. I think it's also just what I found, like, the gift of just, like, realizing that there's more to the world. Like... Yeah, like... Like, <laughs> I was just saying this earlier. Like, I have fun doing things. Like, I love going to the beach and riding horses and skating. And I'm very active. I love doing active things. Hiking and camping and all these sorts of things. I will do anything. It's so cool. And then, like, I can go to a party. And I enjoy going to a party, even still. Like, on my, it was, it, like, my birthday a couple, like, a, a week ago, I went to the club. I hung out with all my friends. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, now it's understanding my own personal boundaries. Of and it's like, your time, dude. Of, like, hey, I'm tired. Yeah. I want to go home. And I don't need to stay out. 
Because yeah. in the past, it was like I'd hit that point and then I'd drink. Yes. So then I'd stay out and have fun because yes. I don't want to – that people pleaser side of me was like, no, dude, come on. Don't go. Yeah. But now it's just like learning to say no. It's, it's like, just yeah, like, no. Fuck off. It's like, I'm hey guys, <laughs> I love you. I say my hellos. I give my hugs. I have a couple good talks. I maybe meet a couple new people. And then I take my ass home and I put a show on and I play some guitar. And What play. do you watch when you go home? Uh, I'm a movie guy. I yeah. love movies. Love, love movies. Okay. I'm the, I, TV shows I struggle to get into because mm-hmm. my time sometimes gets weird. And mm-hmm. like, especially on like work weeks with studio time and mm-hmm. stuff, like I can't really get into a show. Mm-hmm. So I love movies. Big movies. What's guy. your favorite movie? Ooh, Top that depends. Three. Top I, three. Okay, I love uh, Walk the Line. Okay. Would be my five favorite biopic. Great, great movie. Uh, 500 Days of Summer is okay. my favorite romance movie. Okay. If you call it a romance movie. Yeah. Uh, 500 Days of Summer. Uh, I know love. the third one that you're going to say. What is it? Which is my favorite one. Hmm. Goodfellas. Oh, I love Goodfellas. You but love Goodfellas. Goodfellas is not… Not in the top three. It would maybe be Wolf. Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street's fantastic. Actually, one of my favorites as well, but it's not like in that same category of rewatchability as like those ones. Because those ones I've seen a hundred times over. I watch them over and over and over again. Uh, But Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey is incredible. (laughs) That that freaks me Um, out. I don't know why. And then, uh, what's the movie? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp. That, I love that movie. That that kind of tracks with the content that you're making. So now let me know what where is everyone going to be able to find you? Oh, I I'm on <laughs> TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Isaac. You're Presley. not on Cameo. I am on Cameo. There yeah, you go. You're I on Cameo. I forgot about that too. I'm hey. on Cameo. Isaac Presley. I keep it simple. YouTube, Isaac Presley. And your music is… Are you going to go on tour with anybody? Um. So I'm signing right now. I have mm-hmm. my first single on promo, which is all my little trolling things that I'm doing right now. Love it. Uh, with all the toxic comments and things. It's good fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that song, once I wrap up this negotiations and stuff, I'll get the release date. We'll put that out and then I can actually get… Like honestly, this first single is like not even probably in my top three favorites of the songs that I have lined up. The one that I'm hearing Yeah, on the TikTok one, the right one that I've been promoting yeah. on TikTok is like… That is just like scratching the surface of Great. like what's to come. Um, I've really like dove into my folk like songwriting. Your Bob Dylan. My Bob Dylan. Edgar yeah. My, Bob Dylan. <laughs> so I've been really into that. So yeah. I mean, I'm really excited. I'm Presley. really excited to hear your stuff. Thank I you. will be listening. Thank you. And supporting. Thank you. And you can call me anytime you want. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, no, and I'm vice versa, of course. Well, I will if I need to, but I really do mean that. Thank you. I don't. I, do. I, th- I don't mean to be like condescending in that. No, way, no, but I just absolutely. Want you to know no, I do. I do least, appreciate. I always tell that to people, even people that I first meet. I'm like, if I can see that they have been through a hard time or are going through a hard time, I'm mm-hmm. like, look, I know you don't know me, but like, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm very much a person that's like, I think the worst thing you can do is to harbor wisdom and helping, like, to harbor that and be selfish towards that, because really help someone and like that's why I love what you're doing with like the show well thank you for your support because it really means a lot to me and thank you for coming on Vulnerable absolutely thank you guys for having me (laughs) thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Vulnerable Podcast for clips of this episode go ahead and check out the Podco YouTube channel links in the description